Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Because notice he doesn't say that everyone who has that hope, has that confidence, satisfies his own curiosity like a lot of us want to do now. He says, no, when we have that hope, when we have that confidence in heaven, we're not chasing all of these theories. What do we do? He says, purifies himself just as he is pure. So we begin to live more pure lives, not lives that indicate that we're not following the Lord at all. There seems to be a big interest in heaven these days. Today, Pastor Jim will share the Apostle Paul's visit to heaven, a visit very different than we see described in today's books and movies. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 with part two of his message entitled, A Quick Trip to Heaven. I do believe the Bible teaches us that in many ways, heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, will be an extension of this life. So there will be many familiar things for this life. But the way they describe their ways going to heaven now are very different than the way that they are described in the Bible, even to the point of some guys actually boasting. In the Bible, they meet God, and what are they? They are undone. They are undone. They are like, you know, bowing down, crying out for mercy. You know, Isaiah's like, I am a man of unclean lips. And you read his writing, you're like, dude, you're like the best writer. And so very, very different, whereas you have other guys going around saying, you know, listen, uh, Jesus, man, he, he needed some counseling, so he invited me up to heaven. You know, and I was walking down the streets of gold, and there was Jesus sitting on the curb, and he was all sad and depressed, so I handed him a latte and said, hey, let's chat. And so I helped Jesus through some of his problems. I mean, people saying stuff like that, and people are like, oh, wow, very spiritual, very spiritual. And history has been littered with such people, and again, sadly, many of them carry Bibles. Perhaps they say stuff like, the Lord told me. Always be very careful when people tell you that, and I would say be careful of, of saying that to people, unless it's something you completely ground in the Scriptures because a lot of times people say that, and if you're new to the faith, we're glad that you're, you know, we're glad you're new to the faith, but sometimes to try and sound impressive to you, people will say things like that to you. But when you walk with the Lord a little bit more, do you ever have somebody who's always saying, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, and their life is in complete disarray? And you're like, I don't know about the Lord's advice to you, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I was at a thing one time. I, this is bad. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll repent someday. But I was at this thing one time where somebody said, I want to sing a song that the Lord gave me. Oh, the Lord wrote a bad song, if that's true. <laughs> I mean, it was just awful. And, you know, if they had said, you know, I was reading my Bible or I was thinking about the Lord and I love the Lord. and I just wrote this song or this poem or it just sort of expresses how I was feeling about. I'm totally fine with that. But once you say, oh, the Lord gave it to me, I think you bring it to another level that we all need to be very careful about. And the Lord told me, that expression is very rare in the word of God, and it's usually meant to specifically build up the person who received it from the Lord, or if you will, to build up the body of Christ, not to make the speaker look good. 
And that's often the effect of people who are kind of strutting around the stage saying, you know, God told me this and God told me that and I know this stuff and you got to listen to a guy like me and I'm the anointed one and, and stuff like that. So it's not a good thing. In the book of Acts written by Dr. Luke, he tells us about a number of visions and revelations the apostle Paul had. You know, Paul was like, oh, you know, we think we're going this way, but we're going to go this way. And, you know, Paul's in jail. And just these things that he, you know, he would tell Dr. Luke this. Well, how did that happen? And the Apostle Paul would say, well, the Lord appeared to me or an angel appeared to me. But very interesting, the Apostle Paul, though, while Luke writes a lot about it, the Apostle Paul in his writing is very reluctant to talk about it. Very reluctant to talk about it. And really what he's using here is he's setting up what comes next week, the thorn in the flesh. But I wanted to talk more about this today since we live in the age where this kind of media seems to be overtaking us. You see, the Apostle Paul did not elevate personal experience over the word of God. And when you elevate personal experience over the word of God, that's how you lose Jesus. That's how you lose Jesus. And outside of his conversion in Acts chapter 9, you don't find the Apostle Paul really talking much about his experience with the Lord, but he's really talking about to the churches what's going on now, what's going on today, explaining the things of God, explaining the things of redemption and salvation in Jesus Christ, and looking ahead to the things to come. For us, the reality is this, and I know I'm not helping the bestseller list for some of these aspiring authors, but such experiences are unverifiable. And so we have to be very careful. I'm not saying they're all fake, but I am saying that I am largely skeptical. And I think it's wise for all of us to be largely skeptical. Even if a pastor says, we're going to study this book for these days, and you think, oh my goodness, he's delved so deeply into it. You can buy those sermons on the internet. They are for sale, and they come with the slides and everything, and like, oh, you know, you know, 18 pastors in northern New Jersey are doing the same sermon series. The Lord must be speaking. They're buying them on the internet, <laughs> and they're just kind of dressing them up with their own kind of thing that's going on, and so I think we need to be careful. As we'll see, he's going to tell us that someone's character in their own personal Christian life and their Christian ministry is more important than any visions. Evidences of conversion in someone's life, because the Holy Spirit has done a work in their life, is what we are looking for, the grace of God in all of our lives. Well, verse 2 to 4, he tells us about this trip to heaven. He says, I know a man in Christ. Now, right there, we move into a big part of the debate. Well, who is this man? Well, why does he call himself a man? Well, I call it himself a man because I think the Apostle Paul is the man, all right? But really, he doesn't want to brag about himself. We'll talk about that in a second. When we get down to verse 7, he'll be very clear, that'll be next week, that he'll tell us he is the man. And what happens is, you know how a lot of times you read the Bible and your eyes go to the wrong thing? People are like, well, who's the man? What's important in that little sentence I just read? Two little words, one little word, really, in, in Christ a man in Christ. Those are the people the Bible teaches, Jesus and the apostles taught, those are the people who go to heaven. All those who turn to God, put their trust in Jesus Christ, are then said to be in Christ. Without being in Christ, the apostles taught, you cannot 
go to heaven. So he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, I love it again, he doesn't say, I know an apostle. No, his identity is in Christ, who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up, that's the word harpazo, raptured, to the third heaven. Now, what's the third heaven? Well, lots of different theories on it basically comes down to this. Many people would consider the first heaven to be the atmosphere in which we live in. The second heaven would be the moon and the stars and everything that we see. And the third heaven is the abode of God. So he says, this man was caught up. He was raptured up to the abode of God. Now, in case you missed it, or in case you're already just going to your opinions of what it is, and you're just thinking, I'm going to speculate what it is. I'm going to write a book and make a lot of money. I'll tie 10%. Don't worry, Pastor Jim. Keep your money. <laughs> okay? He repeats himself. He just tells it again. Just so you can picture people go, well, uh, no, don't stop there. He says this, verse 3. And I know such a man, such a man, not talking about himself, but he is, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Now, Again, remember the books and the movies are very detailed. He's like, I don't even know whether I was in my body or not. I do not know. God knows. He's comfortable with the fact that God knows everything about heaven and he doesn't even know. Verse four, how he was actually caught up into paradise. That word means garden. So I was caught up, he's saying, into the garden of God, the abode of God. Remember, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in the abode of God. Revelation 2.7 says that those who endure till the end will be in the paradise, the garden of God. So he says how he was caught up into paradise, verse 4 still, and heard inexpressible words, tons of debate on that, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So here you have the false teachers. Remember we said strutting around on the stage like peacocks, not saying much of anything. Thinking they're the rooster. They're, the, you know, they're in charge of everything. And they're not saying much of anything. And they are parading their experiences. When you don't talk about anything, it's easy to walk around and talk. And so they're walking around, not saying much of anything. And the Apostle Paul is totally, while they're saying, you got to check me out. These are my experiences. I'm the man of God, blah, 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 blah. And the Apostle Paul is totally downplaying his experience of going to heaven. Totally downplaying it. In fact, the context of this whole section is so interesting. At the end of chapter 11, he escaped Damascus. They were looking for him there because he was preaching the gospel and were told us that he was lowered down the wall of Damascus in a basket. And most scholars think that he had to hop into a smelly fish basket. So he came to Damascus to wipe out Christians. He meets the risen Christ on the way and he's all of a sudden, he becomes this follower of Jesus. They want to get rid of him and he's going to tell everybody in Damascus now, oh, you got to believe in Jesus. They want to get rid of him and he has to escape in these completely humble ways. Now, this is early in his walk with the Lord. And you know what he is on right now early in his walk? He is on the roller coaster of the Christian life. Any of you know the roller coaster of the Christian life? He doesn't like Jesus. He hates Jesus. 
Some of us were there, or certainly indifferent to Jesus. He's walking down the road in Acts chapter 9. He meets Jesus. He's like, oh, you know, I'm now a follower of Jesus. He's converted. But then people don't like the fact he's converted. Some of your families are like that with you, right? You used to be doing drugs and alcohol, and now you're a Jesus follower. They're like, we liked you better on drugs and alcohol than we do as a Jesus follower. And so people are not so happy with him. He has to leave in a smelly fish basket. Then he goes up to heaven. Not all, and this is not all one after another, but it's sort of the first few years of his conversion. He goes up to heaven and he comes down and he has a thorn in the flesh, which we'll talk about next week. So we're told that it was 14 years ago. Most scholars will put this at about, if we think that 2 Corinthians was written about 55 AD, maybe you know, 20 plus years after Jesus rose from the dead. So this was written maybe 40 to 42 AD during what we call the silent decade, which is about 35 AD to 45 AD, which we have no record really much of the Apostle Paul and certainly no record of him speaking about this until now. Things had gotten so bad in the Corinthian church that he decided, I'm going to have to actually talk about my trip to heaven. Why say a man? I think it's because the Apostle Paul knows that's all he is. The false teachers, they don't know that. They think they're really something special. They're, you know, ladies, you know, God's gift to women. They think they're God's gift to the body of Christ. And Paul doesn't see himself that at all. He sees him just as a guy. He's a guy who was snatched up to heaven by the power of God. There's a lot of discussion on the third heaven and paradise. The point is, he says, I was in the place where God dwells. I was in the place where the holiness of God is. I was in the place of glory. Interesting, he basically says it was so out of the realm of normal experience, it was so incredibly overwhelming, I don't even know if my body went or not. But don't miss, I think, a lot of what he's doing by kind of downplaying it. What is he telling us? I think he wants us to see that it was the Lord that took the initiative. Some of you know that you were walking down the road of your own life and Jesus showed up. He just showed up out of nowhere. Like, what are you doing here? And you knew it. And you were almost powerless to say no if you were not powerless. People say to me all the time, so when did you decide to follow Jesus? I said, I was dragged into the kingdom like those National Geographic lions dragging the antelope into the corner to go eat it. That's what it felt like to me. And so he's like, man, this is not something that I sought. Even going up to heaven, it's not something that I could duplicate. It's not something I could do on my own. Other guys are like, oh, well, you know, I told Jesus, let me come up and talk to you and we'll figure some stuff out. No, 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 that's not it at all. It's important to understand that we cannot bring ourselves to heaven. You can't bring yourself there by your own strength. You can't bring yourself there by your own wisdom. You can't bring yourself there by your own effort, by your own good deeds, by being a, being a good person. No, that's the story of the grace of God. 
that God initiates. God came to the world in the person of Jesus Christ. God came to you in the power of his spirit through his word to call you to himself. And so here the apostle just portrays himself as an ordinary man and tells us why. The only reason anybody would go to heaven, anybody would go to the abode of God is because he was a man in Christ, a woman in Christ. What does that mean? That you have responded to the initiation of God. Now, we could talk for 10 weeks on that statement I just made. We're not going to, but if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you would like to go to heaven, you must respond with faith and trust in Jesus Christ to the initiation of God towards you. So he says, probably the most debated part of this, he says, he heard inexpressible words. Tons of speculation, tons of theories, books written, movies, sermon series, all kinds of stuff on what were the inexpressible words. Let me tell you, I know what they were. You ready? Write this down. You can say you heard it here first. He heard inexpressible words. (laughs) That's what he heard. That's what he heard. Some say things beyond human ability. Others would say things too holy to speak of. Some would say the Lord didn't allow him to tell. Yet I think we get the feeling there is a sense of majesty. There is a sense of glory. He also tells us that what he experienced, it was not lawful for a man to utter. We might say uh, classified information. Perhaps if we combine the theories, we come up with things too great for words, things impossible to find the words for. Let's just say that we didn't allow you to take your cell phone with you on this trip we were going on. The young people were like, I'm not going. But we didn't allow you to take your cell phone with you, and we went out into the middle of some place where they didn't have electricity. They hadn't seen really mankind before. They were sort of living the way they've been living for the last thousands of years, and and you met them, and you said, I want to explain to you what an iPhone is. You would be impossible. I think that's a lot of what he's experiencing here. Things too great for words. And he's saying to us, even if I could find the words, whether it's classified information or whether I would be so inaccurate, he says to us, the Lord is telling me, I can't tell you. That makes me very suspect of some of these books. Very, very suspect. 2 Peter 3.13, he said, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. How in the world could we, from coming from this sinful world, explain to somebody else another world, in, our, in some ways similar to ours, but in many ways very different, and the biggest difference is that world is where righteousness dwells, where there's no sin it seems more like a fairy tale than anything else, doesn't it? And so he said, you can't, you, we could never explain that. But no matter what anybody wants to debate, this is clearly what we would call a personal life-changing event for the Apostle Paul. For him, it was a strengthening moment. Remember last week, we read some of the things that he went through, all the shipwrecks and the beatings and thought for dead and arrested and tried and and all of those things. It was a strengthening moment preparing him for the future, but he wouldn't talk about it or he wouldn't boast about it. It was just something that he cherished 
in his heart. He will undergo such intense suffering. He will undergo such a war of the soul for the gospel that the Lord gave him a taste of glory. And what did it do? It humbled him. How different than other guys marching around the stage trying to make themselves look spiritual. How different than books that make heaven basically the same as here. I don't know about you, but I don't want it to be the same. The Apostle John said this, 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, said, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We've said many times before that perhaps the primary goal of the Christian life is to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus. John says here, when we get to heaven, that will be fully realized. Very different than it is here. Very different than it is here. We will no longer have to be fighting the sin nature that we have, but rather we will be with him, we will be like him. That doesn't mean we will be God. That means that his nature, his ways will begin to overtake our souls. Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him. Remember in the Bible, hope is not like it is for us. When somebody you know, has something going on in their life, we're like, well, I hope that works out for you. And then you turn your back and she's dead, right? We, that's, not, that's not what it is in the Bible. Hope is the surety, the confidence. So everyone who has this confidence, this hope in him, do you have that hope? Do you have that confidence? Because notice he doesn't say that everyone who has that hope, has that confidence, satisfies his own curiosity like a lot of us want to do now. He says, no, when we have that hope, when we have that confidence in heaven, we're not chasing all of these theories. What do we do? He says, purifies himself just as he is pure. So we begin to live more pure lives, not lives that indicate that we're not following the Lord at all. You know, one of those illustrations, I brought up my wife a few times and I had to go, uh, I said to my wife, I had to say, sorry about all the unplanned wife illustrations last week, babe. But, you know, one I brought up that just sort of came on the spot and, and a lot of you commented to me during the week was that I love my wife, but I would never say, well, it doesn't matter how I live because Pam forgives me anyway. I mean, when you love someone, you don't say such foolish things. When you love someone, you live for them. You give to them. You want to live lives that are pleasing to them. And here John says, if, that's, if you have the hope of heaven, you purify yourself just as he is pure. You want to start to live more like him. Not because it's some legalistic rules, rules, rule kind of thing. Because you love him. I don't go out and do stuff that makes Pam angry because I love Pam. Now, sometimes I do stuff that makes her angry, but then I apologize for it, but I'm not willfully doing such things. And here's the beautiful truth that I think the Apostle Paul is kind of saying behind everything is that sometimes the Lord will give us personal and biblical glimpses of his glory. Sometimes he'll tell you something that's so personal that maybe it's not for anybody else but you, but will always match up with the Bible. And why will he do it? He will do it to strengthen us, to help preserve us, to help give us wisdom. The Apostle John, we just read, says it will motivate you to purity, to holiness. It will raise your hopes. It will raise your confidence in the Lord. It will increase your faith. It will not increase your immaturity. 
It will not increase your speculation. It will not increase you walking around saying, hey, it doesn't matter how you live. Jesus forgives us all the time anyway. No, not at all. All of this is to draw us closer to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.